everyone, and welcome to the Chicago Techies Podcast, a podcast focused on highlighting the voices of Chicago Techies and their experiences. I'm your host, Ceci Fisher Benitez. Thank you for joining us. On this week's episode, I am joined by Mitch Fisher, software engineer at Innova and board member at Main Street Codes. Hey, Mitch, thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of the Chicago Techies podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you about your career trajectory as you have, um, you know, transitioned into tech uh, in this last few years. So I'm excited for people to to get to know you. Um, Why don't we start with uh, your name, pronouns, where you're originally from and your current role? Hey, Cece, uh, glad to be here. Um, My name is Mitch Fisher. I'm from Galesburg, Illinois, only a few hours away from Chicago. Uh, My pronouns are he, him, and I am currently a software engineer at Innova International. Awesome. Definitely familiar with Innova, as you know, (laughs) before. And I've had uh, also Rishab in the show. Uh, so he's also oh, cool. shared his perspective. It was really cool listening to his story, you know, and, and his, his experience kind of coming from India and his journey in the U.S. So that's a, that was a really cool uh, episode as well. Uh, yeah, I'm excited yeah. for this one because you did a book camp and uh, your, your, you know, your story is really cool uh, as a theater kid. So, but I'm not going to spoil everything. I'm just going to let people uh, hear that from you. Um, so I guess... To kick that off, we, let's start with, um, did you always wanted to end up in tech? Uh, no, not for a career. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> how did, what was, what were you studying in school and what would, what did you want to do back when you were in college? Well, so when I was younger, I um, was a really, I was really big into video games and I still am, um, which kind of led into, um, just a really big interest in storytelling. I was a big reader and writer as well. Um, And so I did a lot of acting um, growing up as well. Um, And so I ended up going to school for theater. um, I was an acting major um, and I had really wanted to do acting. Um, I still love acting. I was briefly after school for a couple of years, I was was working in uh, theater administration for um, Looking Glass Theater here. Um, and so I really, you know, I love theater. Um, it was a really big part of my life and that's where I was before making the transition into tech, really. Yeah, that's cool. I I, I also got to see a couple of your shows at uh, ISU. So that yeah, was awesome. Right. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the Normal Heart and Alice in Wonderland, maybe? I'm not yep. sure. Yeah, both of those. Anyway, so let's, I want to, I want to hear more about like your journey, kind of realizing that you wanted to, you know, go into tech and your, what sparked that curiosity for you that maybe programming was for you and, and kind of like, what were those steps that you kind of took before you decided to, to go into a bootcamp? Yeah, I think, you know, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, I think a lot of my interest in it um, comes from storytelling. Um, I, I, again, was a really big gamer. And I wanted to make my own video games. So actually, as far back as college, I was messing around a little bit with like um, building apps. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Um, But I was like following along with some tutorials, uh, using some uh, software to like try and program um, these like 
really crappy looking games that I did all the graphics for. Um, and not that was not really uh, coding. And pro I mean, it, it was. It was more plot scripting, though, and using things like RPG Maker. Um, but I had a really big interest in that. And so after college, I kind of kept pursuing that as a hobby. Um, and while I was at Looking Glass, I decided to um, look into doing a coding boot camp. So I did a little prep course with JavaScript, and I fell in love with it. Um, not JavaScript. I <laughs> um, mixed feelings about JavaScript, but in general, um, programming I was really interested in. And then to top it off, found out how much you can make, uh, which kind of <laughs> solidified, um, I don't know, my curiosity in going to a boot camp and uh, exploring that more. Absolutely. I feel like the pay, uh, the pay in tech is very attractive to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and you actually went through the actualized bootcamp, right? Yeah, yeah. So I went through um, I went through Actualize, which was a great program. It was uh, twelve weeks long with like four weeks of online pre work beforehand, um, and I loved it. You know, I can recommend it enough as far as boot camps go. Um, I don't think boot camps are for everyone, but I really it was necessary for me, and I really learned a lot. Yeah. What and what was the the pre work with? Was it with Actualize or was it a different boot camp? Um, so I actually, the uh, course I mentioned before was like a, there was, it was like a boot camp prep course that I did through Full Stack Academy. Um, mm -hmm. And that was like short. That was only like four weeks um, just to kind of dip your toes in. Um, but then there was a, with Actualize, there was a four week long, um, like, yeah, that uh, prep work, which was all like just learning basic Ruby, um, which was cool. Actualize, for those that... Um, don't know actualize uses ruby and ruby on rails um with some javascript and view front end um so you know you pack a lot in the 12 weeks but yeah yeah i've had folks in the podcast that i've talked to um that uh have done the uh general assembly bootcamp yeah um which is also a pretty good one and it's also here in chicago too and i feel like actualize was has had a long kind of relationship in the tech community here uh, mm -hmm. being uh, also before I think it was called anyone can learn to code before it was um, yeah. rebranded. Um, so about that experience, like how did you have any challenges during that experience? Maybe like thinking maybe this isn't for me or having just kind of like, you know, a, a tough time with something like what was something that you struggled with? So, you know, it's really interesting. Um, I had a lot of like a lot of, classmates um we're going through you know we're having some of those thoughts and some of those doubts um when i was going through actualize i feel like i experienced all of those in that prep course that i did um where i actually i was like the probably the worst one of the worst students in the course um because i just did not get it and i was really struggling to get there and throughout, like, like it was a very anxious experience for me. Um, the, uh, the teachers were all right, but they, um, I, I don't know, it was like a very stressful experience. And so I left that, you know, being like, you know, I, cause I did learn a lot, but not sure, not totally sure if it was for me. Um, but then by the time I started doing actualize, I feel like I had really 
I solidified that base a lot more. So it was, it ended up being really important that I took that course, even though it was really, really challenging with full stack, uh, before actualize, um, in general, um, I don't know. I, I have like mixed feelings about, um, doing a coding bootcamp. I, I mentioned that, you know, it's not for everyone necessarily. Um, I think every, you know, like all of the curriculum, um, anything that you would learn through this course, it's available for free or almost for free, like through a Udemy course or like a digital book or something you can just like download um, online. But it depends what you're paying for. You know, like I, I was paying to be in a classroom full of people and have a place that I had to go to five times a week to learn. Um, and also for the camaraderie of, uh, you know, like a classroom. Um, cause I would never have learned this stuff had I not, had I tried to learn it on my own. I just never would have gotten there personally. But yeah, I think I, I feel like a lot of people would kind of empathize with that. Um, I don't know. I don't think I could also learn a whole like Mm -hmm. chapter or something or a whole section of one you know particular topic without being in a classroom discussion or at least some type of kind of format setting like that um and kind of to go back to your points about you know the stress of going of being in a boot camp or even just that that four-week course were there any resources available for students that might have been feeling that kind of stress or some mental health anxieties or um what what support do they give you um in that course, uh, not so much. Um, you know, it was, it was short. Again, that one was like four weeks. So it was, you know, we, we didn't get to know each other that well. Um, if I think back to actualize, you know, at the four-week mark, we were just finally starting to like, kn- like know each other's names really well and like wanting to like hang out before class and after class. And so that, that was a really important thing, you know, was, um, developing those connections. And for me, it was one of the first times that I had spent that much time with uh, non-theater people in like, I don't know, six years, um, other than like a few gen eds that I was like totally silent in. And so it was like, it was a very cool experience, um, but it was, you know, very different people from what I was used to. Um, In general, we had great, uh, the CEO of Actualize um, was a great resource. He's a good presence, uh, Jay Wengro. He um, is a really kind guy um, and wanted to give everyone the support that, uh, that he could. Um, and Josh Nixon was our teacher and he was really great as well. And he was also a former theater guy. So, I mean, there were people that you could go to and that you could say, hey, I'm really struggling. Um, I need more resources um, or I need, you know, I need more time or something. Um, in general, that's what really uh, attracted me to actualize was that it, it seemed like a um, a community of people that like wanted to be around each other. Yeah, I bet that's super important, especially for you know uh, mm-hmm. for someone that is kind of like new to the entire ecosystem of what is tech. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I'm actually really curious to know your thoughts um, on 
how you felt when you've started noticing these groups, right? Like you, you're coming in new, like know nothing about tech. Um, and you're seeing that obviously it's dominated by white males. <laughs> um, so what were kind of some of your initial reactions as you went through the boot camp and like kind of got familiar with like the tech ecosystem? <laughs> like what, what did you think? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting because like, um, so, uh, and again, this is a podcast, so I'm a white male, <laughs> um, but I, uh, I'm bi and, um, I, that was not surprising to like people in theater, you know, like everyone was queer in theater. <laughs> um, not everyone, but I mean, that, that was nothing, uh, not normal. And so that was not something that you, um, like, it didn't feel like you were entering a new environment in theater and defaulting to straight. Um, and so I mean, I remember feeling like, I think for like half of my time at Actual, I was feeling like I was back in the closet, um, which was, I don't know, because, you know, like people would ask, uh, like, are you, you know, are you married? Are you dating anyone? Or I don't know. Um, and, you know, there's a little, that's a bigger conversation too. But the, the idea that you feel like you're hiding something because of people making assumptions. Um, uh, but yeah, so that was challenging. You know, it was a, totally different group of people, all, um, generally like lovely people, um, that I don't, I like, we developed some really nice friendships. Yeah. I think kind of to go along with that, I felt similar. Um, but I mean, you already know me, like I am very much like proud of who I am and I'm out. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was never really something that I like bothered me. Um, I think what mothered, mothered me most though is in like, I guess being like the only person of color in the room was mm -hmm. a little like obviously hard not to notice. And I always kind of questioned if like the people that were in front of me noticed too, mm -hmm. you know, obviously like the majority of them were like white people. And I, I always wondered if like what they thought, like wow. if, if they even like made that, that like they put the two and two together, if they like recognize that there's like not a lot of women even in like tech yeah. Um, but I was just like curious if you had any like thoughts about um all of that, like even just not necessarily about sexuality, but also like about women in general. Were there like any women in your cohort? Uh definitely, but in absolutely in the minority. Um I think there were probably it was it was a big class. It was I think like 15 or 16, and I think there were like four women. Um and you know, like the 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 community in general is already you know you're talking about like if that's the minority um everyone else the kind of jokes that they're making you know the kind of like uh, sometimes the conversation can turn to things that is very exclusionary and that makes people feel like they're not included um and so i i mean definitely you know and i know personally like i don't recognize um when you know, I'm in a room full of um, people that look like me. I don't really totally realize that it can feel super lonely for someone else until I'm the only, you know, queer person in a room full of straight people. And then I realize, you know, that's a, that's a unique experience and it feels kind of lonely and there's definitely a separation there. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, I think it's definitely important to share, um, and like talk about the things that we see in front of us, right? Um, 
So now I'm I'm curious uh, about like your trajectory as you were like kind of navigating from being in this bootcamp to trying to find your first role or at least like either an internship or a fellowship or something. Um, yeah. What was that like? Uh, what did like did you attend meetups? Did you attend like workshops? What was uh, what was that like? I guess awkward that networking phase, you know, when you're done with the bootcamp and trying to get a role. Uh, yeah, lots of um, like odd jobs and things. Um, I, uh, yeah, so Actualize um, was, and again, this is a big reason that I, um, like, that I would recommend it is because it didn't just stop at the end of the course. Um, they had an apprenticeship following it uh, where students would continue like working together to like work on like projects and stuff. Um, most of what we did during the course was individual work. Uh, so the ability to work with um, working groups, um, work with Git uh, version control, um, and just working on um, you know meeting each other's coding standards, it, it was a really cool experience. So I was doing that apprenticeship for a little while, and then um, I got an internship uh, with a startup that ended up. Uh, it, it was just, it ended up being like, it was an unpaid internship, which I was used to in theater. Um, in general, I think that that's, uh, I think it's really not okay to not pay people for their work. Um, and uh, so after like two months of that internship, uh, I actually stopped doing it just because it was 40 hours a week, um, unpaid. Um, you got stock in the company. Uh, but you would lose your stock if you didn't stay for two years. And there was no assurance that the startup was going anywhere. Um, and so that's a trap right away. You know, I mean, like when you're starting out, there's, um, you know, I, I think you should be more open and willing to like take opportunities that maybe sometimes don't look the best, but will you'll learn something and, uh, and grow from that. But, um, that was, you know, that's not okay to treat people that way to, um, you know, just have like people fresh out of boot camps trading their labor for nothing. Um, so I, I went through, I did that for like two months, three months maybe. Um, and then I, um, actually talked to Jay at Actualize, started working as a TA, uh, for one of their, their online courses. Um, which was a cool experience and kind of moved that into a summer teaching gig um, that was like sort of affiliated with Actualize, um, but it was like kind of separate with a separate school. Um, so yeah, it was just, it was a weird, you know, lots of <laughs> just uh, little, you know, opportunities, one hopping to the next, um, but learned a lot. Um, you know, I've got some friends that went straight into a like software engineer role after that or an apprenticeship. And it was, uh, I, I took my time getting around to it. Yeah. So which this is actually a great segue into like the next phase of what it is, your trajectory. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. You and uh, your brother, so my two brother-in-laws, <laughs> uh, you guys started a boot camp. Um, in your hometown of Galesburg, Illinois, called Mainstream Coats. Yeah. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about that experience and what that was like? Yeah. Um, so Jamie, um, my my brother, he is a our brother. <laughs> he is another developer um, in Chicago, and um, he was wanting to start a coding boot camp 
in our hometown. Um, our hometown is like, you know, uh, this is a, this is an education that is like largely restricted to urban areas. Um, if, if you're not going through a university or if you're not doing online education, uh, which is, that's just like the nature of the, um, of the education of these boot camps really is that they're going to be in urban places, um, where they can like, you know, um, just like put out talent that is able to like network right away with companies that exist there. Um, and so I moved, so Jamie needed, um, a teacher to be there and to start this. And I was just coming out of a teaching assistant, uh, gig. And then I had done a, I had taught a course in like front end development that summer. Um, the summer before that. And so, yeah, I moved back to Galesburg, um, to sort of get this, uh, off the ground and, um, teach these courses. And I was also like acting as a community manager. Um, I had been working before that in, uh, at, at, when I was at looking glass, um, doing like uh, nonprofit administration and fundraising and stuff. So it was a cool experience to kind of like take that nonprofit experience and pair it with um, software development. So I was able to help build a nonprofit from the ground up um, and also teach these coding courses. Um, it was a cool experience. Uh, I ended up doing it for a year. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm still, I'm still affiliated with it, moved on in a board member capacity. And so I still am like, working on projects with some alumni um, where a, a large focus of the of main street codes has shifted towards doing um, like uh, community driven work. So working with uh, local businesses um, that don't necessarily have this kind of talent, um, web developers and uh, mobile app developers like readily available. Um, and so we've been kind of partnering with them and trying to get our alumni hooked up with them to, um, you know, just like build these projects and kind of close that digital divide in non-urban America. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's actually one of the things that I wanted to touch on uh, or touch on the importance of like rural opportunities, right? Like being able to kind of build, um, you know, I guess better lives for people that are looking to have these kind of like, skills now. Uh, I feel like now those graduates that came out of like Main Street Codes are able to build websites now for their mm -hmm. local restaurants or any local uh, organizations that, you know, can help yeah. the economy there. Um, what are your thoughts on, on that kind of work? Well, so having done some of that work, um, I can say that for like freelance stuff is, is tough um, because you're never really done. And when you're doing these, when you're doing these projects, um, a business owner doesn't want to like have a, especially a small business owner doesn't want to have uh, like a web developer on retainer, you know, and like um, have to pay them every time they need an HTML update on their site. They would rather like go with WordPress or something with that. So there are lots of sacrifices you need to make when you're doing freelancing, um, knowing that the relationship isn't going to be totally over with this business once you're done with like version one of what they wanted. Um, but it's definitely a great way to get started in a career and to um, sort of build a portfolio, learn a lot, and develop some good connections with people in the community. Um, that said, I, I do think, you know, the world is very different now than it was six months ago um, when it comes to remote opportunities that 
this is something that, you know, like potentially one of the benefits um, on the other side of COVID, uh, whenever that may be, um, that we might see, you know, more of a desire to um, hire like rural talent when it comes to these opportunities, you know, if you can, if you're a company operating in Chicago or like San Francisco, if you can pay, um, if you can pay like wages that are significantly less for developers that would still be making so much, uh, so much more in uh, a small town in rural America, um, why not do that? Because you're also, you know, you're putting money into places that really need it. Um, so I think there's a lot of opportunity there. I think it's so important. Uh, ultimately our goal with main street codes is not to, um, you know, necessarily hook up like these alumni with, um, like freelancing positions as much as it is like, we want them to be able to live in Galesburg and work wherever they want, um, and get paid well for it. Yeah. And, and all of this reminds me of a conversation that I had with a recruiter at Grace Hopper um, last year. And I'm pretty sure, or it was it, I think it was that conference. It might've been another conference, but um, it was, they were from Moline from uh, John Deere. I think they, so they, they have now at this technical like engineering team that, uh, that are, you know, basically building all their products, all their tech products and, and it's, it's growing and they're, exponentially so they're yeah. really looking for a uh, talent and i'm like what do you what like you're you're recruiting in florida like yeah. you obviously have you know a ton of like a huge pool like of people and if you're over here obviously you're telling me that there's not a lot of like technical talent in those rural areas where john deere operates and where yeah. they is but i feel like now like main street codes and you know other smaller boot camps around like in the area could now potentially feed into these companies yeah but one of my things one of the things that i try to advocate for as much as i can is the let's hire people from boot camps like why are we having so many hesitations about that so that's one of the things that is really frustrating uh to me you know as a I just, I guess, a tech advocate because I'm myself, I'm not technical, but I, um, I definitely have a lot of friends that are uh, going through these boot camps and trying to change their lives and do different things and help the world. And I feel like they're just as important as someone that holds a four-year degree in, yeah. uh, in, you know, in computer science. So that's kind of like something that I always um, find myself uh, not really understanding why, like there's such that hesitation. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, did, I'm assuming that, you know, you coming from a boot camp, you've also kind of had these, you know, um, yeah. strong opinions. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a risk for a company to hire a boot camp grad. Um, it's a bigger risk than to hire someone with a computer science degree. Um, that said, you know, we've seen, and this is just my nonprofit side uh nonprofit hat um that we've seen such a bigger push for like corporate sustainability um uh for corporate giving um in the nonprofit world that if we can think about hiring and cultivating talent in the same scope if we can think about you know maybe your job as a uh as a company isn't not isn't just isn't is not only to um you know, give back to your community financially, but it's also to 
um, develop young, like new workers um, and to take chances on them because we're really, I mean, we're looking at a, this is my soapbox moment. Um, <laughs> I mean, we're looking at an increasingly um, polarized country. Um, a lot of that is split down economic lines. You look at where the opportunities are and where it isn't um, and where they aren't. Um, and it really is a divide between urban and non-urban areas. And it's really important, you know, in the next, as we approach automation, um, the automated age is like upon us. And that is going to be really bad for a lot of people um, in the Midwest that have jobs that are going to be automated. And hopefully, you know, we can move into that incrementally, but if we trust uh, corporate judgment to do that, um, then it's going to be all at once and it's going to put a lot of people out of work because uh, you can make a lot of money off automating. And so I think it is really important that, you know, we think about it, uh, think about that, like recruiting and hiring, not just in the scope of like, what's a risk for our company, but also what do we owe the society that we're operating in um, when it comes to making a better a better world <laughs> yeah for sure I'm, I'm actually like at least glad that innova had that program i guess that would kind of fill in that need of bringing in uh more junior junior talent um coming fresh out of boot camps and creating that apprenticeship program um i am actually a really big fan of apprenticeship programs i think that that really gives you know the idea to a candidate that um that they care that they care about who co comes in through the door and no, no matter what the level skill level is yeah. uh, i mean obviously maybe the skill level does merit, like matter a little bit but um but that kind of gives me a little hope. So I, I like that. And you actually went through that. Uh, that was your, uh, you went through an apprenticeship program uh, at Innova and now have converted into a full-time engineer. Yeah. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how kind of like you felt as you went through that, like kind of, of I guess, time of unsure, you know, like if you were going to like be hired on or like, what was that like for you? Um, well, I have to say like one of my big, uh, just as a precursor to that, one of my biggest reasons that I, um, ended up stop that I stopped teaching at, um, main street codes and I uh, moved back to Chicago, um, was because I wanted some community, um, some, like I'm a, a more, you know, I, I felt like I had been learning in a void a little bit, um, and wanted that like mentorship wanted to be surrounded by coworkers that were like continuing to um to learn that i could learn from and so my experience at the apprenticeship was i mean i was honestly i was like blown away a little bit at how brilliant the people were around me um which at times was amazing uh and at times it was really intimidating um and so I don't, you never know, uh, when it comes to like an apprenticeship program, there's no assurance that you're going to be hired. Um, I love that they did it. Um, I mean the apprenticeship program, but also I love that they hired me. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, I don't know. I think programs like that are so important, you know, for taking a risk on people, um, and letting them, 
you know, like learn and get paid to learn, um, improve themselves. And so ultimately I was really excited at the opportunity to prove myself, um, in a room like full of people that were smarter than me. Um, yeah. And then, uh, in April of this year, I finally, um, moved to software engineer, uh, which is really exciting because that's been a, a journey in the making for a little while. Like I said, lots of like odd jobs and stuff. Um, so I don't know, loving it. Um, really challenging, learn something new every day. Um, and I like the people I work with. Yeah, for sure. I feel like that's like the general, um, analysis, right? You always, you learn, always learn something new every day. And mm -hmm. if you're not learning something new every day, that's probably not the best place for you. Yeah. Uh, because <laughs> tech is definitely, um, evolving every single day <laughs> and there are always going to be new things and new challenges. Um, but yeah, I, I really appreciate that part of, of tech too. Uh, even being in a non-technical role, uh, in the community, you know, in the tech community, there are so many um, people, like smart people are everywhere. They're incredibly talented. Uh, I feel like I am, I have, I share the similar, similar thoughts on that um, when I was working at Nova and when I was working, um, and now that I'm working at, um, at Code for America, I am surrounded by incredible people and you're right, it can be really intimidating, but you just have to remind yourself that you were there for a reason. And yeah. that's because you were also incredible. So, um, yeah, so I, sorry, no, go ahead. <laughs> Ultimately, that's what you wanted, you know, like, or at least that's what I tell myself. Um, you wanted to be surrounded by people that made you better, you know, and that taught you more. Um, absolutely. But yeah, it's, it's overwhelming sometimes. <laughs> I, yeah, I concur. <laughs> um, so now looking back a little bit to, toward this experience, you know, that you've had now a few years in, of you know, um, progress in your belt, like what, looking back, what advice would you share with someone that may be thinking about a coding bootcamp? Um, I would say, uh, I think it's really important to, again, like I, I mentioned, I took that, I did that four week, um, full stack, uh, course, um, Actualize and other boot camps like it are billed as like um, anyone anyone can do it. You can start at zero, and um, and that's great. And I think that is true. But what it doesn't say is that it expects um, it expects you to be really good really fast if you're um, if you're coming in from zero. And so I would say, I mean, just this the simplest thing: reading. Um, like reading some technical material, taking a Udemy course. Um, I mean, those like Udemy courses have been a incredible resource, like 10 bucks. Um, and you can learn how to build fucking like, uh, like Tinder in React Native, um, which is amazing. You know, you can learn how to build a weather app in two hours and deploy it to the app store if you wanted to. Um, and so, I mean, like, doing one of those courses is going to put you astronomically ahead of the, uh, uh, I mean, and it's not, you know, it's not competitive, but it is going to put you ahead um, if you do a coding bootcamp. And ultimately, like you're paying a lot of money for something 12, 13 weeks. Um, and so if 
you know, if even one of those weeks is wasted on you being confused or not really understanding what you're working on, then you're not getting your money's worth. Um, so I don't know. I would say do something free beforehand. Uh, Code Academy is like totally free. I, well, I think there's like a premium version, but you can, you know, a lot of these sites give you almost all of their content for free and ask you to pay them money. Um, but I don't know. It's, um, I, I would definitely recommend Code Academy, Udemy. Um, and then just like some simple like tutorials if you're a reader. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel like, and to, to go back to your point about not getting your money's worth if you're not, if you're just confused, I feel like that's, that's the one thing that people are afraid to do advocating for themselves. Um, mm-hmm. So let's don't do that. Like ask questions, like you get your money's worth. Like you said, like, you know, these yeah. people are, are there to help you. They're being paid to help you learn a new skill. And um, you know, <laughs> I am terrible at asking questions. I'm like one of those students that like, I definitely was terrible in school and in college. Um, and then when I was like pretty good at coding, I was like, great. I don't need to ask questions anymore. I get this stuff. And then, you know, I'll run into something where I'm like, totally confused and because I haven't been like working on because I haven't been advocating for myself. It's like a very foreign thing. Um, as a student and as you know, a teacher of like a couple courses, um, I will say there's no such thing as dumb question, but Mm -hmm. your dumb question week one is 12 times dumber. Um, week 12 (laughs) (laughs) because I mean, every week that goes by without you, clarifying something you're building on more um confusion you're just building layers and layers of not understanding on top of things that you already didn't understand um and so it's so important to do that early and i say that also i should take my own advice more just in my daily work um but you know you learn and you grow Cool. well um this has been really illuminating and i really appreciate our conversations um now I, this actually Gabby, your sister, which happens to, happens to be my wife, um, mm. suggested that I imp- incorporate a new question into these, this podcast uh, and, and or I'm going to follow her suggestions. So um, this question comes from Gabby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what has been one of your go to resources, like whether that's a book, a blog or a podcast that kind of has influenced your um, career as you, you know, move through the tech industry? Um, so I would say, um, I have a lot of technical books, um, that I have, um, that I've started and haven't finished. Um, the only one that I think I've actually finished, uh, which is, I think like heralded by a lot of, uh, people as like one of the greatest, um, web development books, um, especially rails web development. It's just called the rails tutorial by Michael Hartle. Um, it is a great, really quick, deep dive into rails. It's way cheaper than a boot camp, Um, and you can move through it really fast. Um, it's kind of a big book, but most of it's code. Um, and it's also available digitally and like it was, is free or was free up until like digitally up until maybe the last few months, but I think the older versions are still. Um, and so it, it, it really like introduces you to a, um, different, I don't, like, like a, a new way of like thinking it's written for someone coming into, um, software development from literally nothing. 
it doesn't require you to like know Ruby that much. Um, it will teach you a little bit of Ruby as you go. Uh, but ultimately that. Um, so I just to get a sense of kind of like what your interests are for the future, like what are, what are your goals for the future? Like what, what's next for Midge? Uh, so yeah, so this is like, I, I, I would love to be a video game developer. Um, you know, I like just have fun for work. Um, mm -hmm. in, I, I see myself owning uh, my own company one day, um, whether or not that's just me in my apartment, you know, developing things. Um, that actually sounds pretty nice. Um, but the, the idea of like uh, maintaining an app or um, developing like retro RPGs um, just as an indie game developer, I think would be really cool. Um, and that's actually a lot of what I'm like spending my, my free time doing is like working on video game development, um, trying to learn that. And, uh, you know, just, I, I, I think that, um, I think there's, a, I mean, there's so much stuff you can do with that, but I would really like to pursue that for a career. That's awesome. That's yeah, that's awesome. I feel like, uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe what timeline, 10, 15 years, maybe we can work together. I'll be your chief diversity yeah. officer, whatever you want me to do. I'm down. <laughs> do it. Uh, yeah, so now I, I do want to give the opportunity for people to connect with you, uh, whether that's LinkedIn or Instagram or whatever you want to feel comfortable sharing. Um, how can people connect with you? Um, probably LinkedIn. Um, I'm, I don't know, like maybe like include a little message like, hey, I listened to this and I would like to be connected um, because I'm totally down. I just, I have like 1,400 connections and 1,300 of them are people I don't actually know or recognize their photos at all um so yeah I, I would say linkedin i'm on twitter i don't know how to use twitter so i don't know <laughs> you're just in there but you you know you figure it out really figuring it out we're we're in that phase so yeah well i i will put those links in the show notes so that people okay. can access to those <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Mitch. This is uh, this is it. Uh, thanks so much for coming to the show. This is this is really fun. I'm really glad we got a chance to chat. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Chicago Techies podcast. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave a review on iTunes. Let's continue the conversation on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us at Chicago Techies on all social media channels. Thank you again, and we'll see you in two weeks.